0: Welcome back to Couple of Criminals. This is Mariah.
1: And this is Anton, and we are your average couple reviewing your not so average crimes.
0: This episode is number 49 of a 50 part series that we are doing, where the episodes are based on a different crime in each state in the United States and are in alphabetical order, which means today's case will be based on a crime from the state of Wisconsin. I want to apologize ahead of time for the delay in getting this episode out. The last few days and last couple weeks actually have been pretty draining mentally and physically as I've come to the end of this pregnancy. And honestly, in the last few days, I've been just focusing on resting and haven't really had the time to put anything together. So here we are getting it done, even if it is late, like we always say, better late than ever. Honestly, as I say that it's number 49 of a 50-part series, it's crazy to think at one point we started at one that this is actually episode 49. Isn't that crazy to think about?
1: Yeah, it's very crazy to think that we are almost done with the 50 parts. So
0: I know. It is. Honestly, it has been a fun and interesting experience for us to do this specific series and really go into different cases in the U.S. that either had... More, you know, publication and media on it and some that we had never even heard at all before. Well, before I jump into my last case review of this series, let's hear Anton's anticipated joke of the day.
1: All right, Mariah, why did the melon jump into the lake?
0: I have no idea. Why did the melon jump?
1: It wanted to be a watermelon.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Hey, I actually have a joke for you that I saw. Do you want to hear it? sure what happened to the frog's car it croaked it got towed ah. <laughs> isn't that That's a funny a good one. one too that was a good one yeah i like that one okay before i get into today's case i want to give a quick precautionary warning to listeners that there are very graphic details covered in this case so please listen with care and certain audiences this is just a warning Today's case began on the morning of November 16th, 1957 in a small town by the name of Plainfield, Wisconsin. For those who don't know Plainfield, which is probably 99% of us.
1: I can tell you I have no idea besides that now it's in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. But may actually be familiar with Milwaukee, which is the biggest city in Wisconsin. It is about two and a half hours from Milwaukee. Plainfield has a whopping population of less than one thousand residents, so it is a very, very small town. I can only imagine that in the year nineteen fifty-seven, what do you think it was? I mean, if it was one, if it's less than one thousand now, in nineteen fifty-seven, it was probably only a few hundred, if that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it would have had to have been
0: maybe a couple like, hundred.
1: Probably, yeah, a couple hundred. I would say.
0: Yeah. On the morning of November 16th, a local hardware store owner by the name of Bernice Warden was opening her store like any other day. However, by 5 p.m., Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden stopped by his mom's store to check in on her, and when he entered, the cash register had been opened and was actually missing, and then he quickly noticed blood stains on the floor. With his mom nowhere in sight and the store clearly in disarray, he immediately started investigating. I can only imagine that the sense of urgency he felt because this just wasn't any, you know, store owner. This was his mom in the small town in which they lived. Like, it, it's a big deal.
1: I mean, I would say in any small town, probably one like this especially, even if it wasn't his mom, I'm sure there would be a sense of urgency because I would assume that there's probably not a crime like this that happens very often.
0: Yeah I I was thinking the same thing like it's probably a rare occurrence for something like this to happen.
1: It just adds more that it's his mom in this case.
0: When additional investigators arrived on scene and as a side note I have to assume that other investigators were tasked with the ones leading the case because it was his mom it was a conflict of interest but I know he did assist with the overall investigation. Deputy Warden informed the investigators that there was a customer the evening before who had come into the store and said he would be back the following morning, which is now the morning of November 16th, and needed to pick up a gallon of antifreeze. What do you use antifreeze for?
1: You're asking the guy who's from Florida. I have no idea what antifreeze is I honestly have no idea either, so.
0: Well, this is embarrassing. Either way, it doesn't matter. He was coming back that day to get antifreeze. When authorities looked through receipts for that day, the last slip that was written out by Bernice Warden was that of selling antifreeze. So it was no coincidence that Deputy Warren knew that somehow that man had been in the night before, was involved with the disappearance of his mother. Like if he was the last person to be in the store, he had to have or known he something. Was,
1: yeah, he was there that morning too.
0: This man that had been in the evening before and presumably the morning of was none other than local resident Edward Guine. Guine was born on August 27, 1906, and was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Guine had an older brother by the name of Henry, and he was born to George and Augusta Guine. His father was an avid alcoholic, and his mother was a very religious woman. Augusta would preach to her sons every day about lust and sins and many other things from the Bible. Her husband, because of his alcoholism, had a difficult time maintaining any job and ended up relocating him and the rest of his family to a farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin. So now that puts us and them back in Plainfield. The family now resided on a 155-acre farm and really kept themselves very isolated. Guyen was never seen outside of school. He would ultimately go to school and then spend the rest of his time at the family farm. His father ended up passing away at the age of 66 due to heart failure. And then just a few short years later, his older brother, Henry, died under suspicious circumstances. It was said that the two brothers were burning vegetation. So oftentimes, like, when we would do a burn pile, that's the assumption that that's what this was. So
1: they were just typically burning things?
0: Well, no, it was like they lived on a farm, they had a pile, and so then...
1: Sorry, things was not that, but yeah, like whatever came that they didn't use on their farm. Yeah. Most likely they just burned.
0: Yeah, and supposedly the fire ended up getting out of control. By the time authorities came to extinguish the fire, Guyne had brought up how Henry, his brother, was just seemingly missing. Henry was, ended up being found near the fire, but appeared to be untouched by the flames and the smoke. His death was ultimately deemed an accident, so now it was just Guyne and Augusta at the family property. To say that Guyne was obsessed with his mother would be an understatement. He was now in his late 30s and still would never leave the home, nor would he date other women. He was absolutely committed and devoted to the care of his mom. Unfortunately, shortly after the death of the eldest brother, Henry, Augusta would pass away as well, leaving Guyne to be alone on the 155-acre property. With the devastating passing of his mother, he was known to leave her room untouched and perfectly clean. Kind of like a museum of sorts, or kind of like a memorial site. I
1: mean, we've seen it in like TV shows too, that they're, I mean, I'm sure it happens in, I mean, clearly it happens in real life, where someone passes away, a kid moves out, whatever, they just leave the room the way it was.
0: Yeah, they they kind of cherish it in a
1: way. That's the word I was thinking of, yes.
0: Some sources said that rooms that his mom frequented more than others, he would treat the same way. So there was a living area that was left untouched. There was also a room upstairs that was left untouched. He would not live in them or move anything in them. So he ended up just living next to the room in the kitchen, which is just bizarre, but he wanted to keep the integrity of his mom and everywhere that she frequented most commonly.
1: Now, I would agree that is very bizarre.
0: Yeah. Of course, Guyen couldn't just live on a farm and not pay his way. So he would do odd jobs here and there to make some sort of income for himself. It was said that he was like a handyman on the side. Now that you have a little bit more context and background on the guy who purchased the antifreeze on the morning of, it was no surprise that the investigators of course had suspicions of him because he was known to be reclusive and probably had a reputation of being weird. Now this is where things get gruesome and a little bit more descriptive, so please listen with care like I said or skip ahead a little bit. When the investigators arrived on scene at the Guyne family farm, they began searching the property and in one of the sheds... They quickly found a horrific and gruesome scene. In this shed hung a female body that had been decapitated and hung upside down by her legs, and what was holding the body up was a crossbar and ropes. The police appeared to have found the scene of what a hunter does to a deer or moose, but what they had instead was a man doing this to a human body. This female had been shot with a rifle, and all the mutilations done to the body were done post-mortem. The body that had been mutilated was that of Bernice Warden. As I mentioned, the hardware store owner. Yeah. As I mentioned, she was decapitated and gutted like an animal, like a deer. Really, like she was treated like a hunter and she was de skinned.
1: So, yeah, so she was treated like the prey of a hunter.
0: Yeah. Her head ended up being found in a sack near the body and her heart was found hanging in a plastic bag. I can only imagine what investigators must have been thinking. What else can there be here? When someone commits a crime as heinous as this, there is no way at all that it is their first time. And I think that's probably what investigators were thinking.
1: I would have to agree, and especially on a 155-acre lot of land, you can hide quite a bit. I wouldn't say quite a bit. You can hide a lot.
0: So my question is, is if he knew that someone knew that he was coming back to get antifreeze, and then the store owner goes missing, and he just casually leaves her in the shed? Well, Like, I don't want to insinuate that he should have been hiding it. Yeah, but
1: he might not have known that they knew knew that he was the last one there.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: But you could also then think that, oh, let's look to see who might have come in to buy something. It was just granted that the person He he took, was the son of the was- store owner. And so, and he just so happened to be a, a cop. Yeah. So they probably talked quite a bit, and she was probably like, oh, this was kind this of
0: guy's coming in the a next weird
1: inter- interaction yeah. that I had. So.
0: So like I said, investigators probably quickly assumed that there was no way that this was the first time that he had ever done something like this. So after further inspection of the property, they found this list in total. And I am going to, I don't know how to say it, but there are certain parts that I'm not going into specific detail about because it is very gruesome. And so I'll just say the overall vague term for some of this. So this is what was found in the guyne property. There was whole human bones and fragments, a waste basket made of human skin, Human skin covering several several chairs in the home. Schools on his bedposts. Female schools, some with the tops sawn off. Bulls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso skin from shoulder to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. A woman's face mask in a paper bag. A woman's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, like I had mentioned, and then her heart in a plastic bag. Nine woman's genitals in a shoebox. A young girl's dress and the woman's genitals of two females who were also minors. A belt made from female human breast parts. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring a lampshade made from the skin of a human face and then fingernails from female fingers that is the list this is what was found at this guy's house
1: and they couldn't have found this guy sooner
0: i i am mind blown by what they found like this is that's sick that's like
1: far beyond mind blown i whatever the after your mind being blown this is what that is
0: yeah And I wanna touch on the specific one where there was a specific woman's face mask and then a specific woman's skull. With the discovery of all of this, including Warden's body, he was quickly arrested, detained, and then questioned. And during the questioning, he actually confessed to the killing of Bernice Warden, which wasn't hard. I mean, it was on his property. No one else goes on his property and they found her body and her head. So this was a dead giveaway. Like obviously he was gonna commit to that. But then he also confessed to the murder of a Mary Hogan, who three years prior had gone missing while running a local tavern in Pine Grove. And so, like I said, there was a female's face mask found in a paper bag and then a skull found that was hers. So they didn't exactly find pieces of the body, but I bet after further DNA testing as, you know, technology advanced, they'd probably find her stuff in the midst of everything else. But they had her skinned face and then her skull. For sure.
1: That's just, like, a terrifying image to think about.
0: It is. And he confessed that both women resembled that of his mother, and he killed both of them by shooting them with the rifle.
1: My thing is, is, like, if he cherished his mother so much, why would he... I mean, maybe it was just some weird thing that...
0: Like a fetish? Yeah,
1: like, in his mind. But, like, I would have to think, like, if he cherished his mother so much, why would he kill women who looked like his mother. Oh, just wait. Oh, okay.
0: So the list of items recovered from his home was not just from two women, obviously.
1: Yeah, there's no way.
0: So he then ended up confessing to digging up freshly buried corpses of women who resembled his mother, and he would mutilate them and then create what he did and put the stuff around his home. He claimed that when he would go to the local cemeteries and dig up these graves and bodies, he would be in what one would call a daze. And he wouldn't remember what he had done, but there were times when the daze would actually subside while he was at the graveyard and he would immediately leave with nothing in hand because he was now coherent is what he claimed. The police were ultimately able to corroborate his confession of the digging up of graves because he ended up, they ended up digging up like, four or three or four of them. And they were able to find some of his tools, crossbars that he had left behind. They also found body parts that he had actually returned to some of the grave sites. And he said, and this is what you brought up about his mom. He said that his goal in all of this was to ultimately make a real life suit that he could put on that resembled that of his mother. He wanted to have the ability to become his mother through the skin and bodies of other women that resembled her to him.
1: Oh my word, this guy is a a whack job.
0: Yeah, and I've never heard of him, ever. With all of this evidence and now the confession and then the fact that they can corroborate the the graveyards that he dug up, Guyne was convicted on the one count of first degree murder for Bernice because that's what they could quickly tie him to but he ended up pleading not guilty by reason of insanity, and it ended up going through. In 1958, he was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia and was found mentally incapable for trial and was ultimately sent to the Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. However, 10 years later, in 1968, he was actually deemed fit for trial and was found guilty for the first-degree murder charge, and then he was readmitted into the Central State Hospital. So after 10 years, he was cleared, found guilty, and then sent right back. They did attempt for him to be released, so they appealed it in 1974, but of course, this was denied. During this time, his health was declining, and he ended up being transferred to the Mendota Mental Health Institute, where he would end up dying in 1984 due to some respiratory problems. Something I do want to mention was that in 1958, when he was deemed unfit for trial and for court, the family home had actually been burned down. It was said to have been some sort of accident and wasn't really further investigated, obviously because of the circumstances and the home who it was. But rumors speculate and people believe that it was arson because of the rumors that the home was going to be turned into some sort of museum.
1: I mean. Honestly, I think it was probably a good thing it got burned down.
0: I think so too, because who would want to commemorate that? Like, who, who would, would want to go... go
1: pay to see that?
0: People pay to see a lot of I know. stuff.
1: I, I'm sure there's someone out there who would want to pay to see that, but
0: but I don't honestly. I think
1: the majority of people would rather see it burn.
0: Yeah, and ultimately, no cause was ever determined and the fire was brushed off. Obviously, it's not a big investigation. The guy was nuts. And I don't think anybody wanted to see it become a museum. And so I'm assuming it probably did get burned down by somebody or a group of people in the area. And that is the case of Ed Gein or the Plainfield Goal, or who is also known as the Butcher of Plainfield.
1: That just like, leaves you speechless.
0: It's terrible.
1: There's like, nothing you can really say for someone like i mean i guess in these small towns it's i mean what if the what if they never knew that this lady the the store owner just she could just could have gone missing and no one would have known
0: i know i mean it's just it's just to me i'm like what happened that made someone go that far. And like I get it. He was deemed mentally unsound. But like what led to the extent of what he did. I mean what While he did clearly was Clearly it
1: was his love his, and cherishment of his mother.
0: Which translated into his obsession of trying to but
1: recreate it. I would, I would like to th- not think but I mean... I would like to see, like, how he got to the point of killing two people whenever he originally was just digging people up.
0: Well, my question is, is so, like, the murders happened three years apart. And so, what, did he, you know, brutally kill one woman and then switch to graves and then it wasn't enough and so he killed again? I just don't know. Yeah,
1: see, I mean, because I guess it really didn't touch on that either. No, it didn't. Because it didn't say, like, oh... He was digging graves up first and then he killed the woman the the first lady. And then he went back to digging graves and oh so yeah, I guess it never said but
0: Okay, there is something I wanna circle back on is the supposed death of his brother. That was an accident. So his brother Henry, it was said that his manner of death was asphyxiation and that he did have some bruising on his head. But it ultimately, like I said, was ruled an accident. They didn't investigate it further. They That was what the medical examiner did. He was not burned. He did not have smoke inhalation. Like Those were the causes, but they just ruled in an accident. Do you think he did it?
1: 100%. I mean, someone did it.
0: But what do you think the motive was? So do you want to know what they speculate? No idea. So the sources that I read speculate that he did do it. And it was probably his first murder he had ever done. And they said that it must have been like a Cain and Abel situation where.
1: Like he was jealous of his brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's what they speculate is that he did it. He killed him, had the fire going, and it just happened. Oh, I'm my brother's missing. But you have to think the brother was 40 something at the time of his death. And then he was 38. I mean, they are adult men. Oh, so
1: they were... For some reason, I was thinking that they were kids. No. Oh, yeah. He definitely did it then. Yeah. And it's crazy that they didn't go...
0: That they just rolled it in accident?
1: Like, how do you... Accid- I mean, I guess there's plenty of ways where you can accidentally...
0: No, how do you accidentally get choked?
1: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't see how that you can accidentally get choked, but like...
0: I think he probably put on a good show and was genuinely concerned of where his brother was at and i don't know
1: the it's just the the fact that like the bruising like should have just warranted at least more of a look
0: yeah well and if he clearly had signs that he had been strangled and that's how he was killed that's not an accident
1: especially because if he had no smoke inhalation or anything like that having to do with the fire
0: it's not an accident. There's
1: no way it's an accident.
0: I bet you anything it came down to the fact that he was jealous of his older brother. And maybe his brother had a similar infatuation with his mom. And maybe Guyne thought that he was a threat to his relationship with his mother. If he is as obsessed and committed as they portrayed him to be, whether he's your brother or not, it doesn't matter. He was going to do whatever to have his mom. And then his mom ended up dying. It's just, yeah, quite, quite the crime.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a case that I've never heard of and one that I don't even think we've come close to even.
0: No, I haven't either.
1: I don't think one that we've covered has come kind of close to anything like this.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Couple of Criminals. We look forward to you being back here next week where Anton will be reviewing our final case of this series from the state of Wyoming. Until then, this is your Couple of Criminals.
1: Signing off.